0: Funding for The Hinckley Report is made possible in part by the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation and the Cleone Peterson Eccles Endowment Fund. Thank you for listening to The Hinkley Report as a podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at your go-to podcast platform. Good evening, and welcome to The Hinckley Report. I'm Jason Perry, director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Covering the week, we have Quinn Monson, associate professor of political science at Brigham Young University and partner at Y2 Analytics. Sonia Hudson, political reporter with KUER, and Michelle Quist, columnist with the Salt Lake Tribune. Thank you all so much for being with us tonight. A lot happening in politics uh, in Washington DC, here locally, important races we're trying to decide. Before we get to those, I wanna talk about a big issue that's going on in the state of Utah, particularly because of Mitt Romney, because it impacts everything, civility in politics. I guess those two things might go together. Uh, but I wanna talk about a statement from Mitt Romney. And Michelle, uh, we'll, we'll start with you on this one right here. I wanna read it and get your, re- your take on it uh, from Mitt Romney. This week he said, I have stayed quiet with the approach of the election, but I'm troubled by our politics as it has moved away from spirited debate to a vile, vituperative, hate-filled morass that is unbecoming of any free nation let alone the birthplace of modern democracy. Did he get it right? Not too much? Too much?
1: He did. You know, he's always the the ultimate statesman. Civility has always been important to Senator Romney, and he is usually the one speaking up about it. Of course, everybody will think it's directed at the other person, right? Nobody's going to say, oh, yes, he's talking to me. But that's the point, is that he's talking to us. He's talking to both sides. Both sides have been taking, you know, are getting over-energized and and over-eager to demean mean and, and uh, you know, play a gotcha game with each other. And um, he's always right to talk about it, and, and I think it's good. I, I also think there's a little, you know, point at the end to maybe Senator Lee, where he says, you know, he, he, he closes it by saying, you know, this is, we're a, a, a modern democracy. And, and Senator Lee said, well, we aren't really a democracy this week. or uh, mm-hmm. And so perhaps there's a little kind of a, you know, friendly senator- yeah maybe maybe so
0: maybe so now now something it's interesting is they start talking about turning down the heat which is what he kind of said you know let's get back to a more stable kind of Mm -hmm. conversational approach but the but the heat seems to be maybe something that's driving some of these voters do you agree is that
2: oh absolutely i think that i mean obviously it's no surprise to anyone we have a super divided electorate Um, people are really worked up on both sides for different issues and for different reasons also and i i think that Definitely a big part of winning an election is getting people out to vote. And so I think that in some ways, yeah, that is driving a lot of people to get out. And that can be a good election strategy in some ways, because you are pushing people to actually go out to the polls and vote. Mm
0: -hmm. So, Quinn, talk about the impact on the voters here as as well. Is is this the right message right now? Because I know you consult campaigns all the time. Do we want it just to settle down or is that how is that going to impact these races?
3: Well, I guess the first thing I would say is that this is this is who Mitt Romney is. Uh, he's, he's given a message that's consistent with his personality, with who he likes to uh, be and how he likes to portray himself. But I think with voters, it does resonate, at least with some, and it even resonates with people that have been angered by Mitt Romney's uh, actions in the past, some of his own Republican base that isn't happy with his vote on impeachment and things like that. I saw some people posting on social media that said something to the, to the effect of, well, I don't agree with Mitt Romney and I don't like him, but this I agree with. So I, I was impressed by the reaction that it seemed to resonate across the spectrum.
0: I'm curious, in terms of your polling, uh, how this is going to impact people in some of the states right around us, which is where Mitt Romney has some of his influence, like Nevada, Arizona, a couple of these states that are, are turning out to be sort of battleground states for the president.
3: Well, I I think in Arizona in particular, the person that's probably got the most influence is, is Jeff Flake, not Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm.
0: And he's, of course, been someone that's gone after the president and the the political tenor also. Not only
3: gone after him, but has endorsed Joe Biden.
0: Yeah. So what are you what are you seeing the impacts of that are in Arizona? Is this are these true battleground states? I think
3: Arizona is a is a great place to watch and watching Latter-day Saint voters in Arizona in particular. They're a they're a small but significant voter block and in a close race they could make a real difference especially if their support for a republican candidate is well below what you would normally expect
2: and you can you can see that the campaigns know that i mean both the biden and the trump campaigns both have groups that are set up to target latter-day saint voters in uh, Arizona and Nevada, they're not really paying so much attention to Utah, which makes sense because it would be insanely unlikely for us to go uh, blue and, and not vote for President Trump. But the campaigns definitely know this. I think Quinn totally hit the nail on the head. But Senator Walter, and they, Romney's... And they know...
1: Oh, sorry. Senator Romney's comments, they're they are directed at this faux outrage, right? You know, everything everything becomes a big deal. Every issue becomes a big deal. Like, you know, Trump's tax returns... Of course Trump didn't pay taxes. Like, everybody already knew that, right? We don't have to go to extremes every time something comes up. The the Supreme Court, you know, the nomination hearings. Of course they're going to hold a hearing and a vote. Everybody already, already knows that politicians are hypocrites. Like, these things aren't um, reason for us to lose our humanity. And I think Senator Romney is trying to remind us to be better.
0: Okay, go ahead, Quinn.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, there's evidence that the uh, that the LDS vote in Arizona is likely to be lower, uh, supporting Republican the Republican nominee supporting Trump than than normal, uh, because we see that in Utah in the Utah data. So I would expect uh, that that what Sonia said is is correct. They're really going after these voters because they know that uh, Biden knows that there's a chance. Uh, to, to get a few more votes in, a, in an important race and President Trump knows that he's losing uh, support that he should otherwise have.
2: And going back to Romney's statement really quick, I think that, you know, a lot of Utah politicians, you know, statewide politicians will tell you that civility is the Utah way and they really try to preach that and and stay out of the squabble of national politics and they'll tell you that. And so I think that this definitely Romney's statement definitely speaks uh, to kind of what a lot of Utahns think is our way of politics and our way of doing things Mm -hmm. and, and calling for us to return to that.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, Michelle, I- I'm wondering what this does for voter turnout. Uh, let's talk about Utah. Wednesday, we all started getting our ballots uh, in the mail, So, and we have record numbers of people turning in their ballots already ahead of time throughout the country. Uh, this, this idea to temper the conversation a little bit uh, with the motivation is what I'm curious about. Uh, U- Utahns seem to be quite at ease with mailing in their ballots correct
1: yes we've been doing this for years this is actually how this is how we vote now we get ballots at home and we fill them out and we send them back in so this isn't you know a a fear tactics can't work here because we're used to this this is how we vote
0: well what do you make of the fact that so many oh go ahead quinn i was just gonna say
3: that's a real question because we are used to it we've had great success with it our voters have confidence in our system And yet we have a Republican president who has uh, pointed to voter fraud and called this system into question across the country. And in a lot of places, Republican voters are responding to that, to that, uh, to that questions, those questions that he's raising. So it remains to be seen, I think, if at least some Utah Republicans will revert to voting in person or try to vote in person because they have doubts that have been planted by the president, even though we have had no cases of, 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 of fraud or problems with our system that are that are that significant since we've gone totally to vote by mail
2: and I also want to point out that our June primary was almost entirely by mail there were um, very few cases in which people actually voted in person you know down in San Juan County because of uh, a, a court settlement down there. They did have in-person voting. And if you had a disability, you could vote in person too. But for the most part, it was entirely by mail and it, and it went fine. There was no allegations of fraud, no cases of fraud. So we have a very recent history with it also. We, we
0: do indeed. Uh, uh, Quinn, you just did finish doing some polling on this through uh, through Y2 analytics. Uh, break, break out just a little bit. The Republicans and the Democrats, their view and what's happening with the people who are willing to submit it through the mail. The people who are still going to show up no matter what. Maybe they just want the sticker. Talk about that.
3: Well, I, I think that we see more people reporting that they are going to turn their ballot in early and simultaneously more people reporting that they are going to vote in person and those those things are, are not the same obviously I think we have more Republicans that want to vote in person and more Democrats that want to vote early because they've made up their mind and they're anxious to get their ballot in and and if anything they're worried about the Postal Service not about the election system mm-hmm.
0: so h- historically Michelle uh, the mail-in ballot has not really favored one party or the other uh, it was just we, we all use it Utah in particular is there any idea that that might be different in this particular election
1: Um, I mean, the the scare tactics are, you know, that's what they're implying. They're implying that, um, you know, more Democrats will be able to vote now or or whatever it is. Uh, I think the thing that will affect Utah, um, this time around is the fact that we don't have single-party voting anymore. You know, that's, that's gone now. You can't just check a box at the top. You have to go and, and read every name, and, and, and that's new for Utah. I mm-hmm. think that will make a difference. You
0: know, Sonia, in 2016, it was interesting. We didn't have as many people doing it as early as we are having right now. A lot of people felt like that was signaling that people were, were kind of holding on their vote for Donald Trump, that it benefited him. Uh, we're seeing that again this time. There's this other side just so motivated all these really early ballots—like like 14 million people something like that already submitting
2: yeah i mean i i think it's kind of hard to tell because i think you are probably going to have more republicans more trump supporters that want to go vote in person because of all this messaging from the president um and yeah I, i i think that there are far fewer probably undecided voters this year because we've just um you know last time Trump was a political newcomer. He'd never held office before. Now people have four years of a record for him to look at. Probably makes the siding a little bit easier. Um, I remember a lot of people that were skeptics back then were like, you know what, like, let's give him a chance. Let's see what he does in office. And now they have seen what he does in office, whether or not you think that's good or bad. Um, they have that record to look at. Similarly, Joe Biden has been in politics for a very, very long time. And so um, that combined with just the increased division that we've seen, I think that there's Probably fewer undecided voters, or people are just not having as hard a time deciding.
1: But this is why Utah had such a great experience with mail-in voting, and that and that both sides were, you know, were yeah, let's do this, and, and eager to bring it on, was because it was supposed to be this great equalizer, right? The U.S. Postal Service goes to every house. That's the idea, and so it should be. It should be able to be, you know, more equalizing uh, across the board.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn, in terms of this equal, equalizing uh, impact of the mail-in ballots, uh, in in the last election, 2018, and you start looking at the primary we just had, record numbers of people in the state of Utah voting in that primary. What are you forecasting in terms of your polling and otherwise in terms of turnout for this election in Utah?
3: I think we'll see record turnout this year. Uh, it'll be higher than 2016, and I think Sonia is right in her assessment of the fact that we have fewer voters, at least for the presidential race, that are undecided at this point. There's there's so much information about donald trump's record that i don't think people have a hard time making up their mind whether they like him or not
0: okay so the people have plenty up, of
3: information available
0: So the people have made up their mind which it seems like that's true particularly as he's polling people about it michelle what is motivating the voters the issues that they care about they're saying i'm gonna you know maybe they're angry maybe they just something else just yeah. highly motivated what are those issues
1: I, I think it's the supreme court and i
2: think it's covid and i think it's the economy always
0: Okay, those are three things still, Sonia?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's always the economy, right? And we have uh, the nice little added bonus this year of of COVID and the economic concerns that come along with that, the health concerns, um, and these candidates could not be more far apart on both of those. So
0: let's break a couple of those down. So um, uh, let's talk about the dueling town halls. For the first time, I think since 1988, a, a debate was canceled. So glad we had the debate on the campus at the University of Utah for the vice presidential debate. But instead of the debate, because President Trump got COVID Quinn. They, they both had town halls at the same time, and this was one of the key issues you brought up with three of them that came up. The issue of the response to COVID-19. How do these two candidates handle that particular issue?
3: Well, I think the contrast between the town halls is pretty enormous in terms of just the tone and pace and uh, ability to answer questions. I don't think we learned much new. From either one that we didn't already know about these two candidates
0: okay is it worth doing these things Sonya because I'm curious I mean there's a clear difference in terms of approach style like we've seen all along but
2: yeah, I mean, I think um, in some ways it's good to have the one on one because obviously the first presidential debate, I don't think anyone really learned a whole lot from that. There was so much back and forth. It was hard to kind of just follow even what was going on. And so having a moderator be able to sit down one on one with a candidate and and ask them questions and try to like nail them down on certain issues, I think is valuable. Um, But I also think you definitely lose something by not having that back and forth um, where you can really parse down some of the issues if we were able to have a debate where we could actually talk about issues um, in a way that wasn't just like this really fast paced back and forth where it was just like, wait, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Totally you know, it's like the
1: what was said about the Supreme Court nominations. It's it's a foregone conclusion, you know, of, of who's gonna say what. And I think what it's really just doing is providing fodder for, you know, the extreme back and forth um that that Senator Romney was talking about as we talked about at the beginning.
2: Yeah. yeah. And and Romney's comment also, it it really kind of I don't want to say struck a chord with me, but I think the timing of it really made sense, right? Like the week before it was like presidential debates, where there was just like all of this stuff that was our norm in our elections that were not happening. Uh And for me, I was just shaking my head. I was like, what is going on?
1: Well, even the debates that are the, you know, the the town halls themselves were a a form of tantrum, you know? Well, I got sick. Well, we can still do it. Well, no, you can't. Well, then I'm going to do it. Well, I'm going to do it at the same time. You know, it's, it's this, you know, let's, let's just be more civil you well, know let's well, be mature about this
3: can I can I just make one more point on the on the Romney thing that I think we haven't made that I think is important and that is what Mitt Romney said echoed what members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints heard from multiple people during the church's semi-annual general conference so it, it likely helps that he's echoing those messages as well
0: mm-hmm so, so I'm, I'm curious if you add that, that call for civility, even in this, because uh, Michelle, I think you did highlight the key issues that Utah's care about, people in the country. In the first presidential debate, we, we got no response really on any of those three items you mentioned, yeah. not so much in the town hall. So what, what are voters? I know you're talking to people about that too. Where are they gonna get the information to base these votes on?
1: they just they they already have their preconceived ideas and notions of what everyone believes and I think as we you know as we said everybody knows how they're gonna vote and it's just a matter of getting to november 3rd
0: just so and we don't know
1: but they all know
0: (laughs) (laughs) they all know of course okay Uh, let's get to some really local issues for just a moment because these same issues are on the mind for utahns when it comes to our candidates for governor and for our members of congress as well Uh, michelle um, big changes in terms of the approach from the state on covid19 we went from our color-coded level of restrictions to a new uh, a new set of guidelines
1: right so there's you know a high, a moderate, and a low level, and what it, what the, the difference is, of course, is that now there are mandates, and and you know people will have to wear masks um, indoors if if their counties are at certain levels. Um, I don't think it will have an effect on the gubernatorial race. You know, if you stay on Twitter, you're in a you're in this you know box of oh my gosh you know you're not demanding masks you're not gonna win and if you're off Twitter it's oh my gosh I can't believe you're you're demanding that I wear a mask I'm never gonna vote for you so I, I don't think that that you know the, the mandate is gonna uh, be a, a big deal in the polling location as as we might think if we're stuck in yeah. our bubble
0: so interesting Sonia th- this idea of this statewide mandate for a mask all right, so the Governor was not willing to do it for well he hasn't been willing to do it, but did he do it by default with this particular designation because if if you are in the are high, moderate, or low, every county every week will get a designation based on this, the series of metrics, and if you are in the high you're, you're going to have to wear a mask uh, in, in most places. Did we get the ma- the mask thing so, by default?
2: Um, we kind of half got it, right so Something that Governor Herbert has said, whenever he's been asked about a mask mandate, which he has been many, many times by me and other members of the media, is that you know he wants to respect regional differences in these counties where there's hardly any cases and it's really rural. It doesn't make sense for them to have masks because they're already you know social distancing by default. And so this plays into that. It's like if you have a high rate of transmission, then yes, we're going to require you to wear a mask. But if you're doing really well, or doing really well, don't have a lot of cases, uh, then you don't have to. And So that really does actually fit in with the narrative he's been, um, you know, spinning is too strong of a word, but um, that he has been using for a while when talking about mask mandates. So to me, it was very consistent. He just finally took a plunge and did something.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Quinn, the governor even seemed uh, kind of pretty upset. Seems like a little anger in his voice as he's changing the standards a little bit for uh, for for this. The state as well, uh, but he also got rid of the emergency declaration order from the governor and transferred the uh, responsibility to the Department of Health. Uh, how, how is that going to help as they go forward in the, the coming weeks as they try to get the virus uh, numbers to go down in the state?
3: Well, I think I, I agree with uh, Sonia's assessment that he's been very consistent. Uh, he's uh, I think all along he's tried to listen to the experts and balance the uh, medical expertise against the political reality and the economic and other difficulties. And, as, and he's, as he's done so, he's made people at the extremes on both sides very angry. <laughs> but uh, I think it makes sense to me that if you're in Bicknell, Utah, in, in Wayne County, and you haven't had a confirmed case, uh, for months that maybe it's okay to not have a mask mandate versus, you know, here in Provo where we've had a huge spike in the last month where it does make sense to mandate something.
1: Well, it also gets the legislature off his back, yeah. you know, by, by not having an emergency declaration, you know, the, the legislators don't, you know, don't have any um, ammunition to say you're you're continuing taking over our control.
2: And I think also going to these kind of automatic set thresholds for each of these levels in a way kind of takes politics out of it a little bit more. Because before the system, a county would come to the governor and say, please, can we move like, to this different color? Can we move to green? Can we move to yellow? Um, and so this is just it's automatic. Uh-huh. It, there's not that, you know, conversation between the two of them. What, it's just like if you do well, you move. And if you don't, you yeah, stay. Exactly.
3: <laughs> Go, on, Quinn. What, what he's doing is essentially putting it in the hands of the people. Mm -hmm. If you if you do what you're supposed to in a way that brings the rates of transmission down, then the threat level goes down and the restrictions go down Mm -hmm. and vice versa. So I think he's taken it. I I think uh, I I agree that he's taken the politics out of it in that way and allowed uh, the behavior of everyone to drive the restrictions. Yeah.
0: SO INTERESTING, EVERYONE EVERY DAY HITTING THE GOVERNOR'S DOORS, YOU KNOW, TRYING FOR A NEW OR A DIFFERENT LEVEL OF RESTRICTION. NOW HE DOESN'T HAVE TO HAVE THAT NECESSARILY. Yeah. STILL THE POLITICAL PRESSURE. But BEFORE I LEAVE THIS ENTIRELY, SONIA, uh, MICHELLE SAID MAYBE um, THIS IS NOT GOING TO BE A PREMIER ISSUE FOR HOW PEOPLE VOTE FOR THE GOVERNOR. AGREE?
2: YES. AND I THINK THAT IT'S NOT GOING TO BE A MAKE OR BREAK I think that people will definitely factor it in when voting but I don't think that it's going to change the outcome of the race. Okay.
1: I think it would matter on a local level if there you know yeah. if mayors are up or you mm-hmm. know county commissions or something like that people care there but I don't think they're connecting it to a to the gubernatorial area. Okay.
3: I want to get to one more issue. I, I think it won't I think it won't it won't matter because people that are angry about it have already made up their minds. So uh, you know there's a set of Democrats that are really mad at the response, but they weren't going to vote for no. Spencer Cox anyway, yeah. <laughs> and there's a set of of very conservative Republicans that are angry at the governor, and they don't have another option. Where mm-hmm. are they going to go? yeah.
0: Uh, one more, one more item because you brought it up, Michelle. People in Utah are very interested in the uh, United States Supreme Court uh, nomination process. It looks like we're going to have a confirmed member of the of the court with Amy uh, Coney Barrett. Uh, the politics of this one, is it just playing out as exactly as expected? Because that's what they said, hey, this is a foregone conclusion or not really?
1: No, yeah, for definitely, definitely playing out as expected. You know, the, the, the term is not over, a spot is open. The party in the Senate is the same party as the White House, of course they're going to go and and, and nominate and confirm. Mm-hmm. There's no rule against it. There's no rule. There's nothing in the Constitution against yeah. it.
0: So I'm, I'm curious, So because when we started this thing, there's all sorts of outrage. You know, you should wait. We've got the Merrick Garland uh, history on this. You should stop. I'm not really hearing that as much now. In fact, the Republicans are saying this is what we're supposed to do. It's a foregone conclusion. We're going to do this nomination.
2: I mean, I think perhaps uh, Democrat. I mean, not that Democrats haven't been pressing uh, Judge Barrett a lot during the confirmation hearings, they certainly have, but um, maybe there's a little bit of recognition on their part that it is a foregone conclusion.
0: Okay, but we, we still didn't get the Democrats, even in the town hall last night, saying that they will not pack the court.
1: No, yeah, they it, and, and Biden won't even discuss it, but the American <clears> people <throat> would not want that.
0: Go ahead, Quinn. He
3: he committed to answer the question before the election though. So that part was new. Yes, so, running out of time. <laughs> so yeah, apparently we're gonna apparently we're gonna get an answer here at some point. Wait until so, everyone
1: votes early. Uh, yeah.
0: So uh, yeah. that's exactly where I was going with this thing because it's interesting because they keep holding, but this was the first signal that we would get an answer. And he did say it before the election. Okay, Michelle, is that? The
1: time's running out. <laughs> <TikTok>. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. speaking of time running out, I, I wanna take a couple of moments on our fourth congressional seat because that race is hot uh, right now. Uh, no one in Utah is escaping these commercials, uh, usually one following the other. Uh, Sonia, they, there was a debate just this past week, some candidate conversations, seems to be um, some, some differences between the two, but how is that race playing out in people you're interviewing?
2: Yeah, uh, it makes me glad I don't have cable, uh, so I don't have to see those ads all the time. I have watched some of them on YouTube, and they are—they uh, really go after, But on both sides, they go after both candidates. Um, you know, Ben McAdams, the incumbent, uh, this is a Republican district. He is a Democrat representing it. Um, he's really played to the middle. Burgess Owens has taken a different tactic. He's the Republican candidate. He's played a lot further to the right. And um, I think that there's a lot of people that view this as a moderate district, but you also have a lot of Republicans who view it as a very Republican district. And so... Um, um, but I also think, in some sort of reality check, there is the, the fact that they did elect a Democrat in 2018. And so, um, definitely, party loyalty is a big issue in this race. Um, Republicans will point out that McAdams votes with Nancy Pelosi 85% of the time, but talks about himself as this independent voice. Uh, but that is, uh, he is one of the most independent Democratic members of Congress. And, uh, you know, he breaks with his party a lot more than our other Republican members of Congress do.
0: In our last 10 seconds, Quinn Monson, is this really a toss-up? Is it that close? 20 seconds.
3: I'm surprised, but it is pretty close, yes. And and I, it shouldn't be that close. I, I am genuinely surprised that Burgess Owens is keeping it as close as it is, because I think he is correctly perceived as further out to the right on the conservative side than than Mia L- love was. And uh, I don't think there's any reason it should be this close. And so, Okay, But it is, and that's surprising.
0: Can't wait to watch this one. Thank you for your great insights tonight. Very helpful. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode of The Hinkley Report. If you like listening to the experts talking about the issues, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.